Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting live around the world, this is The Ryan Lindsay Show. Phone lines are open to speak with Ryan or any of his guests at 319-527-6702 or email Ryan. The email address is ryan at ryanlindsayshow.com. Now, here's Ryan Lindsay. On a Friday edition of The Ryan Lindsay Show... From the fabulous Northwoods of Wisconsin, welcome to you. Good morning, good evening, good night. Whatever the case is, good afternoon, wherever and whenever you may be listening. Glad to have you with us. Whether you're listening live right now or uh, streaming later on, then uh, again, glad to have you with us. Uh, We're going to talk about anxiety today, awakening from anxiety. That's the title of the book by Connie Habesh. Uh, We'll speak with her in uh, just a few minutes. I'll introduce my co-host, Tamara Gleason. Tamara, how are you? Hi, good tonight. Very good. good. Very good. Great to see you this afternoon. It was great to see you this afternoon. Back in Wisconsin. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Very good. It was good to see you too. (laughs) So as we talked a little bit this afternoon, yeah, yeah, there you go. As we talked a little bit this afternoon, for the last week to two weeks, uh, yeah, I should say before that, since about August, I, I've been eating wonderful. I've been eating fruits and vegetables just about 100% of the time and a little bit of protein here and there, lost 25 pounds. Now about the last 10 days, I've been eating nothing but comfort <laughs> foods. Comfort foods, yeah. macaroni and cheese and burgers. And I tell you, Me I feel too. great. I feel great. <laughs> Go ahead. Not a, not well, a bit of anxiety. I think so. I think so. Sure. I'm, I'm going to go going to go back to the good stuff starting after this show. <laughs> but uh, it, it, up to it, now, it's just so. Yeah, it's hard this time of year, you know, because oh, here in Wisconsin, we you know we're just, you know, it's time to make a pot roast and a casserole, right? We go back to what made us feel good and comforted as the children and hunker down mm-hmm. a little bit. But yeah, it's time to get back to the good stuff. It does help. Our eating, as we know, does affect a lot with uh, our moods and elevated moods and such. So looking forward to the show tonight. I I think we can all use all the help we can get on anxiety this year, right? We've got many little monsters in the corner. (laughs) So Especially this year. Especially this year, that's for sure. Well, let's get right to it. Reverend Connie Habish is a licensed marriage and family therapist, a yoga and meditation teacher, interfaith minister, and she's the author of Awakening from Anxiety, A Spiritual Guide to Living a More Calm, Confident, and Courageous Life. Over the past 27 years, she's helped hundreds of students and clients overcome stress, anxiety, depression, and spiritually awaken. Reverend Connie is committed to nurturing and heart-centered spiritual community. She leads online programs worldwide, as well as retreats, workshops, and yoga teacher trainings in the San Francisco Bay Area. Her website is awakeningself.com, and she joins us live on The Ryan Lindsay Show. Connie, how are you? I'm great, Ryan. How are you? Doing very well, thank you. Thank Good. you. Yeah, it we, sounds uh, like you're, you know, with all those burgers and everything, you're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Tamara. <laughs> Hello, Connie. Great to have you on. Talk some sense into us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I, yeah, I, you know, anxiety is, um, it's not something that, you know, we think maybe if we're, our senses talked into us, like you're saying, you know, that uh, somehow we'll snap out of it, but I, it's, 
it goes beyond mind and our intellect and what we can figure out. If we could figure it out, we would have, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. What would you say is the definition of anxiety then? I know it when I see it or when I have it, right. but how, how, would, how would you define it? Right. Well, um, it's a persistent kind of fear or worry or concern that causes us uh, an undue amount of stress and kind of consumes a lot of our life. You know, I mean, all of us have a little bit of it here, there, and there, you know, from time to time. It's a human emotion. We're going to have some anxiety from time to time, but it becomes problematic when it's really um, coloring our whole life experience and we can't seem to get away from those worries and fears and concerns and stressors. Mm-hmm. So there are times then when anxiety can be a good thing as long as it's not not ruining your life or ruling your life, I should say, correct? Um, well, yeah. I mean, all of our emotions have a purpose. They all have a um, function in our lives. And so a little bit of fear or worry or anxiety is okay. I mean, you know, I don't know if I would say it's good for us. I mean, it's, it could be good oh. in that it's letting us know something that we need to know. It's pointing our attention to something that's important and that matters. Um, so my approach is not um, to make it all go away forever because it's not going to. It's going to occasionally arise from time to time. Um, and if we set ourselves that kind of perfectionistic standard of, oh, I'm going to figure this all out and then I'm going to get rid of it and never have it again, and then it pops up again, we can kind of beat ourselves up or feel like we failed or we didn't do it right or good enough. So my approach is really knowing how to be with it when it does arise and experiencing it as, you know, the, the reason I named it awakening from anxiety, it's both um, shifting ourselves out of that anxiety, kind of waking up from it, but it's also that the anxiety itself has a gift for us and can awaken us to um, deeper spiritual awareness. Do you think we should try your methods in your book before we try something like medication? Well, I would encourage people to do that. I I prefer natural methods before medication. I do have some clients that have been on medication, and sometimes that is a necessary stopgap. Um, but I've never found medication to solve things. It deals with some of the symptoms. But what we really would like to get to, I think, for myself and for my clients, is the root of the matter. And if we can address the root of the matter, then we can shift the whole process of what creates the anxiety in the first place. So I, I've been working with these uh, practices for myself and with my clients for many years, and I find them really effective. And they're, the truth is they're not as easy as taking a pill. I mean, you know, that's a lot of people are looking for the quickest, easiest thing. We're a fast food kind of culture, right? Um, but the things that really work... The things that are lasting, and you probably can consider this in your life, there's not any pill to take to get buff, right, to get fit. We, <laughs> we need to go through the process of learning to lift the weights and then lift heavier weights. Um, and so, you know, it, the process does take some time and some attention, but I think I find it and my clients have found it really well worthwhile, and it's something that you can integrate into your life. It doesn't have to take a ton of time. Uh, in your life to set aside to be able to work with these principles, um, they actually become part of your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So when somebody comes to you and says, I've got too much anxiety in my life and I I don't know where it stems from, what's the first thing you do? What's your first first course of action? The first thing I do, which is the first of the seven keys in the book, is helping them learn to become present. And I define present or presence as bringing our awareness and attention into this present moment as it is. So that means we're not telling a story about it. We're not narrating it with our mind, which is what we tend to do about everything in our lives, with an open heart and a quiet mind. So we we gently let the thoughts go by. We don't attach to them. We open our heart, which means we become receptive, and we discover what's right here, right now, because Anxiety is almost always, 99.9% of the time, about the past or the future, the anticipated future. 
Um, and when we're right here in this moment now with what is, like I'm right now sitting here in my armchair in my home office you know, under a, a lamp with a, a little blanket over my legs, I mean, that's what's here right now in this present moment. But when we're feeling anxious, we're not usually, like it's not a problem that there's a blanket on my lap. <laughs> it's a, The problem is all <laughs> the things that we're imagining could or would or might or did happen. Um, and so we take ourselves out of the present moment. So that's the very first thing and when when we can really drop into what's here right now with our senses like what do I see what do I hear what do I feel um, it shifts us out of that anxiety mindset and into a more calm present state do you find do, do spiritual people feel a higher sense of anxiety I think so um, that's yeah. been my experience and, and there's a few reasons why that is. One is that I think people on the spiritual path hold themselves to a really high standard. You know, we, we start out with meditation or we start with prayer we, or we, you know, try to do, learn how to do, you know, rituals or ceremonies and whatever we do as a spiritual practice, we think that, okay, uh, I need to do this perfectly i need to do it right and if i do it right and i am i good i'm a good person i'm doing all the things like being kind and loving and calm then it'll all go away it'll like all all that stress and anxiety and anger and all those quote-unquote bad emotions will disappear and i'll just become this perfectly blissful person um and it's an impossible standard we're human beings we are not walking around as saints, you know, gliding above the ground in white robes. We have real emotions and real experiences in life that are not perfect. Um, And so that's one of the first reasons why I think we create anxiety just by trying to meet this level of perfection that we think we should on the spiritual path. But also, a, a lot of people who are interested in spirituality are also highly sensitive persons. Um, and that means that we pick up on things very easily, on the emotions of other people. We're sensitive to bright lights and loud sounds. We pick up on what's going on in the world, and we're deeply affected by it. And because of that, because we're naturally empathic and compassionate, we might feel too much. We might feel too much of the pain of the world, and that increases our anxiety too. So those are um, the main reasons why it's been my experience that spiritual people tend to get triggered a little bit more with anxiety. Sure. Talking with Connie Habash, uh, Awakening from Anxiety is the title of the book, A Spiritual Guide to Living a More Calm, Confident, and Courageous Life. If you'd like to join us, maybe you have your own anxiety story or a question regarding uh, awakening from anxiety, then give us a call, 319-527-6702. Her website is awakeningself.com. And Tamara, why don't you jump in here? Do you have a question for Connie? Well, I, I just, she's hit so many nails on the head with, you know, being a hypnotherapist as well. Mm. There's just so many spiritual people, right, that we work with that want to improve the quality of their life, that want, that believe that they are here on, on a mission to be of assistance to the planet, right? Mm-hmm. And it feels like our, you know, it feels like the game just got stronger, right? It just got more intense of like, okay, we're here on a mission, you know, from creator to have this, you know, wonderful life and help as many people to complete our mission. Have you been feeling like this year so many more have been feeling that kind of a pressure? Um, it, it, it seems like it's enhanced. Have you found that to be true in your practice? Absolutely. Um, I work with a lot of uh, healers themselves. Right. So as right. as healers, as uh, spiritual practitioners and teachers, um, yeah, we feel the weight of the world right now, don't we? I mean, we feel like, um, and I feel really called to service, and then sometimes I feel overwhelmed or pressured by that, like, right. oh, there's so much need right now. I mean, I'm busier than ever. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> so I remind, I actually remind my own clients, like, you know, yeah, I'm feeling it too. It's not an easy right. time for any of us. And this is how I get through it. This is how I work through it. It's really important for us to remember that we're we're real people with real feelings. We're human beings, and right. um, and to not 
expect ourselves to, um, you know, be able to, to, to take care of everybody and make it better for everybody. Sometimes the, in fact, what I was talking about recently with one of my clients is that resilience is not avoiding the feeling or the circumstance, it's knowing how to go through it. And um, so reminding ourselves that, okay, you know, as healers, it's okay that we take some time to take care of ourselves and it's okay that we feel some overwhelm or stress or anxiety about trying to help everybody and we take a deep breath and we practice the same things with ourselves that we're trying to assist our clients with and and just trust that we're doing you know we can we can do as much as we can and then i always put it in the hands of the divine when that session is done i know they're in the hands of spirit and spirit is working in their life when i'm not there with them right right that's that's for sure and uh, i think intuitive sensitive people that do you know pray every day and communicate with the divine have felt something coming of great proportion right Mm -hmm. we've all felt it absolutely so the the kind of overall what i you know like you said a good a good healer gets healing done right because we absolutely have to make sure we're in alignment so we can show up in our best version of ourselves right strong complete but but we get so much working and being of assistance that it's just, you know, for me, it, it's just like this radio show, just even having this three nights a week, it keeps it going. It's like so much is channeled through from the height, you know, from spirit. It's just always so nice to talk to, you know, another healer, another intuit, reverend, that that's working with, through our own human, you know, needs and, and um, you know, fears all around us, right? I mean, it's almost mm-hmm. getting comical. I mean, I, I know that sounds strange, but it's almost getting to the point where you laugh hysterically because there are so many, you know, if we thought we had, a, you know, a lot to fear before, right? right? So what, what have you been finding or using any new techniques or discovering any new techniques? Because I know it's an evolving story, right? We're, we're constantly evolving. Have you found any new things this year that have been of assistance? Well, I'm always discovering more, right? I think that the path of awakening is infinitely unfolding, which is beautiful to me. It's exciting to me that there's, um, you know, contrary to the idea of enlightenment as an end point and then you're done, um, I don't see it (laughs) that way at all. I see it as as an ever beautiful unfolding some people might not like that. They might like the idea of, like, I want to get there and then be done. But um, right. the, there's so much more to discover and to be and to open to. And um, you know, this year I've, I've really seen it and I sensed it coming, um, well, probably four years ago, right? <laughs> um, is right. that we were, right. we were, yeah, we were in a journey of, of experiencing the shadow emerging, the shadow being that part of ourselves that we don't like looking at and that part of our culture and our society we don't like looking at and seeing. We want to deny it's there because it's uncomfortable or it's scary or we, we judge it as bad. But that it really, in order for us to, um, you know, some people call us light workers, in order, in, order, in order for us to really be in the light or be um, in our divine self, we need to integrate the shadow as well. We can't split off ourselves into parts of ourselves that we like and parts that we don't. That's doing violence to ourselves. So by, by this process this year, I think, has brought up so much of the shadow, so much fear for us to look at and to really um, question the truth of that kind of thinking within ourselves, the, the thoughts that lead us into uh, feeling anxiety, that we could tell all kinds of scary stories about what's going on, but that doesn't have to be the true story of what unfolds. And we are right. co-creators, I'm sure, you know, you're probably nodding your head, Tamara and, and Ryan, I'm sure you're <laughs> probably, you know, really connected to this as well, but we are co-creators of what's happening here and certainly what's happening in our lives. And even though we may meet with challenges, I've had health challenges this year, not COVID, thankfully, knock on wood, but, um, you know, I've had some health challenges this year, and I could tell scary stories about them to myself. 
But um, just this recent one where I've been having some problems with fatigue and um, other little symptoms in my body, I've decided, like, okay, this is another level of awakening for me, and this is another way of me learning to embrace life even when this is happening, that there's a blessing here, there's, there's some good here, there's something that this is drawing out of me that I wouldn't have experienced had I not been going through this. So um, in, in therapy terms, we might call it reframing. You know, we're, we're changing right. the way we're perceiving things um, and looking at them as opportunities or um, some sort of blessing or gift. And I've been using that a lot this year. Um, and, and working with a lot of embodiment, it's, it's actually the second key in my book, but um, in new levels in myself and with my clients of really being present inside of our bodies because most of us are in our head a lot. We're in thinking or um, I like to say that we don't really feel our anxiety. We think our anxiety. We, um, when, when we're feeling our, our emotions, we feel them in the body as palpable sensations like increased heart rate or a heaviness or tension in the neck um, or clenching in the jaw or heat building in the belly, whatever it is. Um, but a lot of times we're stirring up our emotions because we're thinking them. And the more we think them with thoughts like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And, you know, when's the vaccine going to come out? Is the vaccine going to be safe? Are we, are we ever going to be able to get back? Maybe we'll never get back to normal and all those kind of thoughts. That's thinking our anxiety, and then it just perpetuates it. But when I come into my body in the present moment and I'm breathing and I'm feeling okay, like there's that pressure there, and I stay with it and I stay present with it with kindness and self-compassion, it starts to shift by itself and reveal a deeper level in me. It opens something in me um, where I don't feel so afraid anymore, where I can be with what I'm experiencing. So those are, you know, long long answer to your question, but those are things that um, I've written about and that I've been working a lot on a deeper level with this year. Mm-hmm. Right. At, at what point? Work. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's a little bit of what I was going to get into, uh, breath work and, and meditation. You're a medica- meditation teacher. Um, I have a hard time meditating. I just can't seem to quiet my mind. Uh, I wonder if something like a guided meditation would be the thing for me. Well, sure, that's great. And what I want to say, Ryan, is everybody has a hard time quieting their mind. You're like <laughs> not alone in that. Everybody I've ever taught meditation to, every time I sit down to meditate, there are thoughts. So that's one of the first things for us to get out of the way is don't expect a silent mind. Don't expect a quiet mind. Um, which is a little surprising to some people because they think, well, the point of meditating is to quiet your mind. And yes, that is. But when we sit down with that expectation and we're trying to shove the thoughts away, of course they come on stronger, right? Anything, the old saying, what you resist persists, right? (laughs) Don't think of the same like. You know, I shouldn't be thinking, or I'm going to stop these thoughts, or I need to be quiet. So, you know, shut up. Stop thinking. What's the matter with you? Why are you still thinking? There's another thought again. I'm thinking because, you know, you know how that goes? Yeah. You just go, oh, okay, yeah. here they are. Welcome in. Like, hello. Here are the thoughts. And you can let them kind of go by and try and find there's little spaces between the thoughts. So rather than giving our attention so much to the thought, we acknowledge it, we let it go by. Where's that little gap that happened just before the next thought came up? I often teach people to look for that gap, that little quiet space in between. Another thing that um, is really helpful with meditation, especially people starting with meditation, is your mind wants something to do. That's why it thinks all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, Mm -hmm. to tell your mind to stop doing everything, it's going to be going crazy, right? So um, that's a mantra meditation could be really helpful where your mind focuses on a word or um, a sentence. You know, I mean, you could work with affirmation this way, but, um, you know, just like um, um, I am peace or, or um, I am here in the present moment and just repeating that. Or, you know, I work with traditional Sanskrit mantras. So, you know, something like the sound of Aum and, and chanting that in, inside yourself. That gives the mind something to do. 
So if you have something, okay, here, mind, focus on repeating this thought and putting your attention on that, it can be a lot easier. There's also other things like walking meditation that can work really well for people. I just actually was writing about that today, about different forms of meditation for for different people. Um, but there's not one right way to meditate. And I think that the important thing is, is you know, find one that seems to speak to you um, or maybe not speak to you because you want to be more quiet in the mind. And, um, <laughs> and, and then work with it for a while. Be patient with it. Don't expect it to come right off the bat. And I say start with a really short period of time, like three minutes or five minutes. Like, okay, if you can sit for three minutes, you can probably sit for four if you can sit for four minutes and, and or focus on your breath so you can give your mind the attention, okay, I'm going to focus on my breath. I'm going to focus on these sensations of my breath moving out and coming in and feeling the sensations at the tips of my nostrils and listening to the sound of it. That gives your mind something to focus on rather than stop thinking, stop thinking. Like, that's not going to work too well for most people. Sure, sure. <laughs> Would you do you always suggest that we do it sitting sitting down on the floor with our legs crossed or or can we meditate laying down? Does that work? Well, I don't usually recommend laying down. It's not a bad thing or a wrong thing because I'm not into judgment because judgment just stirs up more anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. But the problem with lying down is that you can fall asleep and. Yeah. You know, which it may not be a bad thing. You might be sleep deprived and you need to go to sleep. But if you want to meditate, um, it's much preferable to have your spine upright. It will help keep you more present and alert. But you don't have to sit cross-legged. A lot of people can't. It's too painful. It hurts your knees. It hurts your back. It hurts yeah. your hips. So sit then yeah. upright in a chair with your feet flat on the floor with some nice support for your back so it can be upright. And make sure that you're pretty comfortable because if the body is in pain or agitated or uncomfortable with a position, it's going to be really hard to meditate. And that's you know, that's why um, yoga traditionally, like the poses that people are used to, um, the asanas, the poses, those were originally intended a couple thousand years ago when they were first practiced to prepare you to sit for meditation. They help open up the body and release areas of stiffness and pain so you can sit with more ease. So, you know, ideally, you might do some yoga postures beforehand, but you don't have to. It's just that it'll help you sit with more ease. And then when you, if you're sitting with more ease, your mind will tend to be a little more quiet. Okay. I'm thinking you mentioned a, a mantra earlier. Um, several years ago, I was I think I, I Googled. I was feeling anxiety and, and very anxious and stressed, and I Googled how to be happy and relaxed. And... That, that's the kind of the end of the rope where I was at at the time. I just Googled it. And I found this YouTube video of a Indian man, a yogi, and he was he was chanting, I am happy, I am relaxed, I am happy, I am relaxed. <laughs> and and now, now, every time I think of that, I'm happy and relaxed. I say it to myself a couple of times, and I just got a giggle. And I and whatever I'm stressed about just seems to go away. I think that's great. Um, that makes me giggle just hearing the way you were saying it, you know. And 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 that's a big part of it. Is is you know, um, earlier Tamara was saying about you know um, it's almost humorous or comical the the amount of fear going on. And we need the sense of humor. We need to find some lightness um, and levity about the level of fear or stress or anxiety that we're in. Um, and and finding something like that that makes you laugh that you can that can be your mantra you know and it yeah. can work for you. Yeah, yeah, it it, it has it has. I've been right. driving down the road, driving down the road sometimes, and somebody cuts me off, and rather than cursing or giving this finger or that finger, <laughs> I, I think that's I wonderful. <laughs> um, you've done this show about leaving your body uh, before, and you say that's a spiritual mistake. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of people on the spiritual path like to leave their bodies. They want to go to, you know, higher dimensions and the upper chakras and all of that, which is cool and it's great, or have out-of-body experiences. I think all of that is, is great, but when, we, when we're doing it to avoid something or, we're, or we do it all the time, um, actually in psychological terms, when we're doing that 
as a way to cope with stress or anxiety, it's called dissociation, where we kind of are dissociating from our body. Um, And when we do that, we may think in the moment that we're escaping for our anxiety, but we want to think about this in terms of how the body feels when we leave it. So, you know, think about, I I like to use the metaphor of um, a toddler. So if you had a little, do either of you have children? Oh, yes, we both do. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and I imagine some of the listeners do as well. Um, And if they don't, maybe they know someone who does, who who has like an (laughs) 18-month-old, right? And they're like, you know how they are. They're like always getting into things and they're exploring the world but always wanting to come back to mommy or daddy or whoever their caretaker is um, as their touch base. Well, you know, if you said to your 18-month-old, like, hey, sweetie, I'm going to go out shopping for a few hours so have a good time. I'll see you later. And you left, which I know no one would do, but imagine what could happen to that child, right? Imagine their level of panic and anxiety um, sure. once they realize no one's here with their, them, nobody's home. They'd be panicking, and they could obviously they could hurt themselves. They could get into a lot of trouble, right? That's how mm-hmm. the body feels in the nervous system when we lead it. It's like nobody's home, no one is here steering the car or the ship, and there's all these things out in the world that we need to be aware of. And so the body goes into more of the fight, flight, or or freeze response, more of the adrenaline kicking in, the sympathetic nervous system, that's your stress response. Um, And it actually increases our anxiety. So when we finally come back to the body, we, pro- we might feel this tension or this, you know, the anxiety comes back, right? And we're like, oh, oh, well, maybe I need to leave the body again. But no, actually, that's part of the problem. And so by learning to come back into the body, and great, you can do it when you're meditating if you want, if you want to go to, you know, ninth dimension or whatever is out there, fine. But Come back into your body and during your day-to-day life, practice really being here in your body and letting your body know, hey, I'm here, I'm attentive, I'm paying attention to your sensations, and I'm taking care of you. And that will go a long way toward helping to calm the nervous system reaction of anxiety. I've never heard it explained that way. That's very logical. I like that. Logic can be helpful sometimes, right? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, we are talking with uh, Reverend Connie Habesh. Uh, she is a licensed marriage and family therapist, yoga and meditation teacher, interfaith minister, and author of uh, Awakening from Anxiety, a spiritual guide to living a more calm, confident, and courageous life. And take a look at her website as well. It's awakeningself.com. And Connie, what will we find on your website? Oh, I have all kinds of... Uh, videos and um, recordings from other podcasts I've been on. I've written a lot of articles and blog posts about um, all different kinds of things, spirituality, obviously about um, awakening from anxiety, uh, yoga philosophy, personal and spiritual growth. So there's lots and lots of resources on there. Um, And my upcoming events that I do um, definitely do online these days, but I also have, I do have a women's retreat coming up in March if we're going to be able to do that. I do um, a lot of in-person workshops and um, courses and uh, retreats and things like that. So lots of resources there for people. Okay, excellent. Awakeningself.com. I think a lot of people would say there are times when we just feel stuck. Mm-hmm. What, what about when we feel stuck? What do we do? That's, that's always a tricky question, isn't it? Um, so I always have people it with the stuckness um you know we usually feel like oh i'm stuck so i've got to do something to get out of it but to me the way out is the way through so it would actually be inviting the feeling of stuckness in and deepening into it it's very counterintuitive and paradoxical but a lot of things on the spiritual path are very paradoxical so i have people feel what does it really feel like to be stuck is it, you know, and, and again, this goes into the embodiment, like feeling it in the body, here in the present moment. And 
um, feeling some, you know, practicing self-compassion for being in that stuck place rather than judging yourself. It's so easy for us to judge ourselves, isn't it? Like, oh, I wish I wasn't stuck or I shouldn't be stuck. I've been, you know, on the spiritual path for X number of decades. I shouldn't be stuck. All of that sort of thing. You know, embrace yourself and, and be kind and compassionate toward yourself when you get into a stuck place. And that very stuck place, when we let ourselves sit with it, can actually give us a gift and a message. So there's some, I'm, I'm always looking for what is my higher self or the divine or the wisdom in my body trying to communicate to me through this stuck place. So I, I walk people through a process of being able to feel the sensations, feel the emotions of the stuckness, and then be able to listen to what that stuckness is trying to communicate, to be able to tap into that wisdom because there's some wisdom there, even in the very things that we don't like. Um, and that wisdom then will naturally guide us to empowering action to take in our life, something that is ready to shift, something that wants to be explored. So sometimes we're stuck because we're not listening to that wisdom and we're not taking a step forward to where we're being called to. Um, and all of that is, is actually in the book about that. But I was just talking to someone today, a client, about um, there's a principle in Taoist philosophy. Taoism is that nature-based um, philosophy that, um, that originated in China. Uh, I love it. It's one of my inspirations. And there's a concept in there called Wu Wei. Wu Wei. And it means, uh, one of my teachers translated it as the action that arises of itself. The action that arises of itself. So rather than, um, you know, I know there have been times when I'm stuck and I flail. I kind of like throw myself at everything I can possibly think of. And rather than, than that, sitting in the stuckness allows the action that really wants to emerge out of that to come forward as it's ready. And this sometimes requires some patience. Um, but really trust. Trust the process is, is like my go-to saying that I tell all of my clients and students. Um, there's, there's something in there if we let ourselves actually stop and be in the stuckness and feel it. Hmm. So, so realize it's an opportunity for growth. Yes, absolutely, and that there's there's some there's a treasure there, there's a gem there waiting to be discovered when we allow ourselves to actually be stuck rather than resist it and try and push it away. Yeah. How do we keep? You, you talk about judging others in the book. How do we keep from judging others? That's um, challenging because often we're judging others because we judge ourselves. Um, So if we unplug that, we can unplug the the judging others. Um, One of the things that I talk about um, in the book is about polarities. So when we're judging someone else, we're putting ourselves above them in a way and them below us. When we judge ourselves, we put ourselves below them and others above us. Mm. And those are two ends of a polarity. It's like a pendulum swinging back and forth. So when, we, when we're judging others, we want to recognize, okay, I'm putting myself above them, and I know that, that by doing that, I'm going to set up the pendulum to naturally swing the opposite direction, that I'm going to eventually end up judging myself or fearing or believing that other people are judging me. So the way out of that is to transcend the polarity, to not buy into the thoughts of either judging self or judging other and trying to see something from a higher point of view or a more expanded point of view. So if we're thinking, for example, oh, those people are um, doing the wrong thing during COVID. A lot of people are doing that right now, right? A lot of people Mm -hmm. are judging whether or not they're wearing masks, whether or not they're distancing enough, et cetera. 
um, we can bring it back into myself, like, okay, um, I don't want to judge them or me. I, I do want to make choices that feel right to me and feel good to me, and I might express my need for, um, I might need or want something in terms of respect of that, you know, social distance or whatever it is. Um, but to, to step into, okay, how could I see this from a broader point of view? Like, everyone's trying to sort out how to feel safe. Really, we're all, everybody's just trying to figure out how to feel safe, and everyone has a different perspective on how to feel safe. And when we're seeing that people are just mainly feeling afraid and trying to figure out how to feel safe, then maybe we can step into compassion. Like, okay, I understand you're trying to feel safe, and that's why you're doing what you're doing. Um, or that we can see some commonality with the other person. Like, okay, I can, I can empathize there. They, they have a different way of approaching that safety from me, but they, they too are also struggling with that. So trying to step out of that swinging pendulum back and forth between judging others, judging ourselves, better than, worse than, um, and yeah. trying to find where we're all connected and there's, we're all human beings having similar experiences. Yeah. Uh, folks, if you'd like to join us here in the conversation, 319-527-6702 is the number. Talking with uh, Reverend Connie Habesh uh, about her book, Awakening from Anxiety. What about when we get into, uh, we talked a little bit about this before, but fear. When does fear become a problem? Fear becomes a problem when it's consuming our life, when it's, um, you know, dominating most of our thoughts and most of our day. So, and, and again, usually when that's happening, it's because we're thinking the fear rather than actually stopping and feeling the experience of fear inside of us. Um, and learning how to be present with ourselves through an emotion. So emotions are very much like waves. They have a period where they're starting to come up, and then they have a period of intensifying and building, just like, you know, have you ever, have either of you guys ever swam in the ocean, like, you know, in the waves or body surfed or anything like that? I know you live mm-hmm. in the woods of, of Wisconsin, but maybe you've been <laughs> to the ocean. <laughs> yeah, just once, just once, but yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. So I, you know, I'm in California. I grew up in Southern California. I live in Northern California now, but um, and have for many years. Um, but in SoCal, everybody goes to the beach, <laughs> um, and most of us learn how to swim in the ocean. And I remember when my dad taught me how to swim in the ocean. He, you know, I, I would stand there and I'd just get pummeled by the waves because I was afraid of them. And he said, "You've got to dive into them." And I'm like, "What? Are you kidding?" I don't want to dive into the wave. That's really scary. And he said, trust me, you've got to dive into the wave. It's much, much better than just standing there and letting it crash over you every time. So I mustered my courage because I was tired of being, you know, tossed in the waves and the sand getting all in my face and, you know, all of that. So the next wave that came, I dove into it, and I popped up on the other side. And I was like, wow. (laughs) <laughs> that was cool. That was fun. And that wasn't so bad. In fact, that was actually way easier. Um, so our emotions are very much like that, that we, rather than, you know, getting pummeled by the waves, we need to let ourselves dive into them, meaning stay present with them and feel them and know that if you stay with them long enough, they will eventually curl over and roll into the shore and shift on their own without you trying to make them go away. Um, so it's it's this process of learning to, to dive into it and feel it without engaging the mind and telling stories about it. That's the tricky part, and that's where, you know, working with someone to help with that um, can be really useful. But um, it's really possible to just keep, like, turning away from the thoughts, like, okay, let that thought go by. What am I feeling again in my body? What is this like to be here right now? Um, Can I breathe into it and stay with the sensation until it shifts? Because what we all know is everything changes, right? I mean, just about any pain that most of us have had, most of us, 
has changed in some form. Sometimes it gets worse, so, and often it will get better. It will just shift and change. So the emotions will not ever stay with you forever. They will eventually shift if you're willing to dive in, be present with them, and feel them without the mind telling a story. Mm-hmm. Well, I have this written down. You say in the book, everything is temporary. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Yes, and so if we, if we keep remembering that and we stay present, it feels like it's going to go on forever because we keep obsessing about it, because we keep yeah. telling the story over and over and keeping ourselves on the hamster wheel. So, you know, diving in is kind of like stepping out of the hamster wheel and watching it spin for a while until it stops. And that, that involves feeling things inside the body, feeling, you know, um, you know the, the churning in our stomach or feeling uh, the, uh, the pressure in our head, uh, staying with it, breathing with it, with compassion and kindness toward ourselves and a quiet mind, relatively so, will allow the emotion to roll through like a wave. Mm-hmm. Something that we, we seem to get into um, in just about every show that, that Tamara and I do is, is gratitude. Mm-hmm. How, how does gratitude help with anxiety? Gratitude helps shift our mindset. So when we're feeling anxiety, um, we're often feeling it maybe because we believe we're lacking something or afraid of something that might happen rather than what do we have right here, right now? What is right here with us in this present moment? What is available to us? What have we already received that's a blessing? So gratitude, you know, Research has shown that it alleviates depression and calms anxiety. So it's a very powerful practice, and it's something just like, you know, regular working out, right, that the more you practice it, the more benefits you'll see from it in your life. And I like to practice gratitude with very small things, that I don't have to drum up some big thing to be grateful for, that I can be grateful for this next breath. You know, I can feel grateful that uh, I have this cozy blanket over me. Uh, I can feel b- grateful for just um, the the nice temperature in my room right now, that it's very comfortable. I can feel grateful for connecting with you and Tamara because we're, we're spiritual beings. We're all on a journey together and we're, we're connecting in a really heart and soulful place. Um, there's there's lots of things that are right here readily with us in this moment that we can feel grateful for. And the more that we see that and recognize that in our lives, the more we're going to feel filled within and content and calm in this present moment. Uh, also, one of the keys to a more calm, confident life, you say, is surrender. Oh, yeah. uh, Surrender to what? It's actually my favorite. It's the last of the seven keys, so it's a little more advanced, Ryan, you know. Okay, Um, all right. (laughs) You know, because no one likes the idea of surrender when they first hear, like, surrender, that means you're losing, that means the white flag and the battle's been lost. But uh, there's, there's a couple levels of surrender that I'm talking about here. One is surrendering the battle in our own mind that we can, you know, lay down the arms of our internal struggle with ourselves and our beating ourselves up and are constantly telling ourselves these uh, stories that agitate us and upset us. Um, So that's the first level of surrender I'm talking about. And the second level of surrender is to, to something greater than us that we can trust in. Um, surrender and trust always go hand in hand, and you know, for some people that might, they might call that God or um, you know Jesus or Buddha or Allah or you know uh, Shiva or whatever you know that you call that a higher power, nature, the universe. Um, but even for for some of us who are the most fearful, there's something that we trust in. We might trust that the sun comes up the next day. We, most of us naturally assume that, um, or that spring comes. Um, 
or that there's enough breath here for my next breath. Um, there's enough air for us to breathe. And excuse me, that just makes me cough. <coughs> it's kind of funny. Um, but, um, you know, finding something that we trust in that's bigger than our own individual self or maybe the principle of love or truth. Um, I like to say that even atheists can be spiritual because um, usually the people I know that say they're atheists actually have ethics and principles. So they might have a higher principle like truth or um, service to humanity. But something greater than ourselves that we can surrender to and trust in our lives, that the same force that created the earth to to rotate so that the sun rises every morning is here for me in my life. And I am part of that whole divine universe that has a harmony and order and that everything in the universe is taken care of. And so putting our trust in something greater than us, for me it's been my most powerful practice. I do talk about it in the book about... um, on the airplane because I have had a fear of flying and I get um, nervous during turbulence. Mm. And trusting that there's something bigger than me (laughs) flying the plane, um, guiding the plane, the principles of aeronautics, um, you know, there's there's definitely, and, and spirit itself, something greater than me holding me and carrying me in my life. It's it's guided me through my whole spiritual journey, and I count on it again and again, and it always is there for me. When I was in the hospital, when I had an appendectomy, um, I surrendered. I said, it's a yoga principle. It's actually called Ishvara Pranidhana in Sanskrit. Um, it's a really powerful yogic principle to trust in the divine, um, something greater than us. And when I do, the more I practice that, the more I just relax and let go, like, oh, I don't have to control everything because guess what? I don't control everything. It's a lot easier Uh to let something bigger than me um, guide and carry me through that. No such thing as perfection. Mm. No such thing as perfection. Yeah, I actually write about that in the book too because perfection really is, it's a human idea. It's something that people came up with, that we created this idea of perfection because um, my experience of the divine is that it's it's beyond perfect and imperfect. That's another polarity, right? It transcends that. It's beyond what we what we conceive of, of of perfection is only our limited idea in our mind that we tell ourselves. So the divine is beyond all of those ideas. It's infinite. It's it cannot be limited by any idea of perfection, and we shouldn't be either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very well said. Uh, Connie Habush is the uh, our guest, and she is the author of Awakening from Anxiety. Just a couple of minutes left here. Tamara, do you have any questions to uh, wrap up before we um, before we go? Tamara, did I lose you? We might have lost her. We might have lost her. I s- but we're still connected in, in spirit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hear you guys. We're- oh, there you are. There we go. There we go. I hear okay. you. That's very strange. You're back so, now. Um, I might have been in a different dimension. Yeah. Uh, there you go. No, I was saying. <laughs> She's back in her body. I, I have a tendency. Yep, I know. It's been a forever, you know, thing for me to keep back into my get back in my body. It's funny you talked about that tonight. <laughs> no, you are just and. Thank you for your work. I mean, it's just truly what we all need, these lovely reminders. I know I learned a lot tonight, didn't you, Ryan? Oh, absolutely. A lot to think about. Once And once again, I think this would be a wonderful conversation to have when I was in my 15 years as a police officer. Uh, you know, just mm-hmm. compassion and gratitude. And, and you know, that's maybe a, a group, uh, Connie, that, uh, that you should consider speaking with is groups of police officers at your local department, just because we know we need it. Oh, I imagine, I imagine they need it more than anyone right now. I mean, yeah. also, you know, the people working in the hospitals. But um, yeah. absolutely, 
and and it's been just a pleasure being with the both of you, Ryan and Tamara. It's um, it's always a delight to have these kind of meaningful and sacred conversations. Oh yeah, it's been great. Sure. Where do folks pick up the book? Um, the book Awakening from Anxiety. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it on Indie Books, uh, Barnes and Noble, or you can order it from your local store. And, um, of course, you can find me again on awakeningself.com, or you can do ConnieHabash.com also works. Um, but, yeah, you can get the book just about anywhere. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Congratulations. County, County will have, yeah, we'll have to do this again sometime. This was wonderful. The hour oh, went I'd by so fast. Oh, I love that. I'd be delighted to be back. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. You have a wonderful <laughs> evening. Thank you. You both, too. And Thank all you, Thank Connie. You. All right, bye-bye. And while she was great, once again, Tamara, we have the best guests on this show. That's all there is to it. We, the best guests. I, 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 uh, I, I'm just in bliss. Her energy is just so beautiful. You know, we just have, you picked the most beautiful guests, Ryan. And mm-hmm. I think everybody benefits from it. And I love that they're archived. So it's strange that, um, you guys couldn't hear me because I could hear you, but yeah, did. I don't. I'm not sure what happened. I clicked. Uh, I, I, I clicked yeah. you on again. I don't know how like, you I'm got here. turned off there. <laughs> I was like, I'm here, you guys. I'm here. And then, and then I, you know, did the principles. I was like, I'm in this present moment. I'm just gonna ride this wave, and I got back in the frequency. But yeah, lovely show. What a wonderful way to start the weekend, right? Yeah, there you go. Just like what we've talked with guests before about uh, stress relief and how to calm down and just listening to them, just listening listening to Connie. She had such a soothing voice in her way of speaking. Right. It was just, uh, you know, and what she had to say, of course. It was just soothing just to listen to her. Yeah, she, she's, she's the real deal. She's the real, not that, you know, all of our guests aren't. But yeah. um there's something that when you do this work, Ryan, and, and you do it as well, even being our, our host, our, our precious host, um, you do plug into a higher sense of self. And it's just like we come here, this is why we're here, right? We come here, we can always plug into that higher sense of self. And the more we do this work, and, and, and many will tell you that it's like you can't wait to get to work because you get to plug into the higher sense of self. And it yeah. starts with the heart, you know, heart energy of love and compassion for humanity, right? So she has a tremendous love for humanity. And uh, it definitely was felt here tonight. And for our listeners, I'm sure they'll, you know, many people direct this, you know, we direct these wonderful works when people put their work out, you know, to the planet. You can really take the goodness and and apply it. You know, it's not just, you don't just hear about it, you do it. And anybody that does this work, Ryan, we've all, we're all, you know, emotional beings. We've, we've gotten led to this work to help ourselves first, right? And then when we see how wonderful it, it, it does work, then we can apply it and, and teach others. So she's doing the good work, as you are as well, my friend. We all are, I think. I'd like to think we all are. We are are. all doing the good work. Yes, we are all doing our part in this big cosmic puzzle. And we all have a piece of the puzzle. But uh, I don't think we've ever seen a year like this before. So great time. Oh, boy. Yeah, excellent. Uh, Coming up on Monday, folks, Terry Tucker will be our guest. We'll talk about uh, finding your uncommon and extraordinary life. Um, Terry Tamara has uh, has quite a story. He he's dealt with. He was also a police officer for several years in Cincinnati, I think. Oh, and right. he's dealt he's dealt with uh, with cancer. And in fact, we were supposed to have him on a couple weeks ago, and um, he is going through some new uh, cancer treatment right now. That's why we had to reschedule to uh, to Monday. So it'll, not only hearing his uh, his story of uh, courage, but it'll be interesting to see how he's doing on the new treatment. Wonderful. Yeah. Great to have him back. Yeah. And then on Wednesday the 16th, Patricia Payton will talk about physical intelligence. That's coming up on uh, Wednesday. And Friday, well, still got to schedule somebody. Friday the 18th. We, it's the first... First open slot I've had in quite a while here, so uh, we'll Ooh, get somebody for that one. Get it. It'll be fun. Yeah. 
Well, thank you, Tamara. We'll do it again on Monday. It was so good to see you this afternoon. And uh, yeah. thank you very much for lunch. Oh, you're most welcome. <laughs> Have a wonderful okay. weekend, Ryan. Talk to you Monday. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to The Ryan Lindsay Show. Visit RyanLindsayShow.com for more information about The Ryan Lindsay Show. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.